0: You are listening to the Embassy Church podcast, and here is today's message. Thank you, Jesus. Yeah, He's so good. <laughs> hmm. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Jesus, thank you for your presence. Thank you for your presence. Thank you for meeting us. You don't have to come, but you do. When you meet us corporately, but you meet us individually, there's not enough words to describe who you are and what you do and even how good you are. I thank you that you're filling each one of us. you live and you move and you have your being in us. I thank you, Jesus, that your word says that you comfort all who mourn. And for those that are mourning in whatever way today, that your comfort is what's surrounding them today, and that weeping may last for the night, but your joy comes in the morning. And I pray joy unspeakable and full of glory into every household here today. Joy unspeakable and full of glory. Joy not momentary happiness but joy into the very depths of who we are thank you jesus thank you jesus for your joy amen thank you jesus well, what I'm having trouble beginning this morning. You're probably like, yes, you are. (laughs) His presence is so good. I know last week we talked about unity. And I said we would continue and we are going to continue talking about unity, but not today. When you say things like that, it's always, you know, God willing, if that's what he wants, we will continue. and, And today I just felt... To encourage you and to give you a word that's been stirring in my heart and I keep going back to it I, I've been speaking to the leaders about it but I just felt to go into greater depth with it today and so I'm gonna start in 2nd Chronicles 32 and I'm reading from the message Bible so it is um, So it starts with two kings. One king is the king of Assyria, and his name is King Sennacherib. I don't know if that's his that's how you pronounce it. So we're gonna call him King Sen. Okay? King Seni, that's what we'll call him. King Seni. You're like, that's cool. It's really because I can't pronounce it. I don't know how it's said. And so King Seni and and the other king is King Hezekiah. And Hezekiah is the king of Judah, and Jerusalem is in Judah. And so what's what's going on in this text before we begin to read it is, is King Senni, the king of Assyria, no good. Not a good king. And he has decided that he is going to lay siege on Jerusalem, on Judah. And, and he has um, come up with a plan And he's getting his men ready. They're getting ready to go in and attack and kind of take the land of um, Jerusalem. And as they're doing this, King Hezekiah, he gets word that this is about to happen, so he forms a plan. He forms a plan, he calls his councilmen together, and he says, what we should do is cut off the water supply outside of Jerusalem. We'll cut off the water supply so they have no access to water. And they all say, that's a great idea. We should do that Um, because why should he have access to our water? So they get to work doing it. They gather people together. There's a bunch of people. They all come together and they begin to work towards this. At the same time that they are doing this, then they're like, we should repair some of the broken spots in the wall. And so they start repairing things. And so this is where we're at. I'm going to begin reading. It says, I'll begin reading in verse 5, Hezekiah also went to work repairing every part of the city wall that was damaged. He built defensive towers on it. He built another wall of defense further out, and he reinforced the defensive rampart of the old city of David. Um... He also built up a large store of armaments, spears and shields. He then appointed military officers to be responsible for the people and got them all together at the public square in front of the city gates. So they have gone to work. They hear there an attack is kind of imminent that's coming and so they just get to work. They begin to repair, they're building up, they're getting their military officers together. They got the people together, everyone's building together. And then it says, Hezekiah rallied the people in this square, they rallied them together, and he said, be strong. This is his encouragement. Be strong, take courage, and don't be intimidated by the king of Assyria and his troops there are more on our side and then on their side he only has a bunch of mere men we have our god to help us and fight for us so he's encouraging them like don't even worry about it be strong be encouraged god is with us there's more of us than there is of them and then it says morale surged hezekiah's words put steel in their spines So they were like, yeah, you know, have you ever, you felt that, right, when you have come to church sometimes and the word goes forth and everyone's like, yeah, we're leaving, we're like, oh, we got this. That's what's happening, okay? Man, Megan preached an amazing word. Come at me, Satan, right? (laughs) This is what's going on here. And so just as that happens in verse 9, it says, Later on, King Senni, who had set up camp a few miles away at Lachish, sent messengers to Jerusalem addressing Judah through Hezekiah. So a word is coming forth from the king of Assyria, the bad guy. He says, A proclamation of the king of Assyria. And this is what the king of Assyria says, You poor people. Do you think Hezekiah will save you? Don't be stupid. Hezekiah has fed you a pack of lies. When he says God will save us from the power of the king of Assyria, he's lying. You're all going to end up dead. Wasn't it Hezekiah who cleared out all of the neighborhood worship shrines and told you there's only one legitimate place to worship? Do you have any idea what I and my ancestors have done to all the countries around here? Has there been a single God anywhere strong enough to stand up against me? Can you name one God among all the nations that either I or my ancestors have have ravaged that so much as lifted a finger against me? So what makes you think you'll make out any better with your God? Don't let Hezekiah fool you. Don't let him get by with his bare-faced lies. Don't trust him. No God of any country or kingdom ever has been one bit of a help against me or my ancestors. What kind of odds does that give your God? Now we've been in this place too, where we're like, yes, I have a word from the Lord. Let's go. And then we get home. And then something happens, and then another thing happens. Or then the thoughts begin to come. Do you really think it's possible that God would use you? Do you you really think it's possible that God's going to take care of you? Do you really think you can trust me right now? Excuse me, trust him right now? In this world when all the things are going crazy, and on and on and on, the taunting, and then it doesn't stop. That's just the letter from King Assyria. Then it says, then the messengers, the ones who brought the letter uh, from King Assyria, They felt like they'd join in too. It says, the messengers felt free free to throw in their personal comments, putting down both God and God's servants, Hezekiah. So the messengers start. Now they're mocking them. Then the king, King Seni, continued to send letters insulting the God of Israel. He keeps writing. He's not stopping. The gods of the nations, this is what he says, the gods of the nations were powerless to help their people. The God of Hezekiah is no better, probably worse. Will God actually come through? You're sitting there waiting, hoping, is he going to actually come through? Can he really be trusted? It doesn't stop there. It says, then the messengers would come right up to the wall of Jerusalem and shout up at the people standing on the wall, shouting their propaganda in Hebrew, would show back up, and they just kept going. They just kept taunting. They didn't stop. But this is what I want to show you. This is the word that I've been looking at. It says, trying to scare them into... Demoralized submission that was the point, was to demoralize them and get them to submit. The word demoralized means to cause, to, to, oh my goodness, to cause, to turn aside or away from what is good and what is true. or to turn away from what is morally right, to corrupt the morals of, to weaken the morale of, to discourage, to dispirit, to throw into disorder. If something demoralizes someone, it makes them lose so much confidence in what they are doing that they want to give up. It means to dishearten, to shake, to undermine, and to discourage. And this was the point of everything going on, to get them to not only become discouraged in what was taking place, but to give up, to even turn away from what was right, what was truth. And I bring this word today because I believe that's what the enemy is endeavoring to do, to cause us to submit to something other than the will of God. To give up, to become so discouraged that we just walk away. In Daniel seven twenty-five, and I'm all over the place. I'm sorry, um, media. But in Daniel seven twenty-five, it says just that. It says that. I better read it. Is it up? And he shall speak words against the Most High God, and shall wear out the saints of the Most High, and think to change the time of sacred feasts and holy days, that he would wear out the saints of the Most High. That's the point. So understand that what you've been going through, what you're going through, or maybe what you may go through at another time, this is the enemy being exposed right now. He's trying to wear you out and get you to submit to a lie. In Psalms 31, verse 5, it says, Into your hands I commit my spirit. You have redeemed me, O Lord, the God of truth and faithfulness. Remember this, the God of truth and faithfulness. It doesn't matter. It does not matter what it looks like in front of you. You must hold on to this. He is the God of truth and faithfulness. In Hebrews six eighteen says, So that by two unchangeable things, his promise and his oath, in which it is impossible, say impossible, it is impossible for God to lie. We have fled to him for refuge, who have strong encouragement and indwelling strength to hold tightly to the hope set before us, hold tightly. And this truth is what the enemy is trying to get you to abandon. Look at this, Romans 1, 24. So God abandoned them to do whatever shameful things their hearts desired. As a result, they did vile and degrading things with each other's bodies. They traded the truth about God for a lie. They traded the truth about God for a lie so they worshiped and served things God created instead of the creator himself who is worthy of eternal praise so because they traded the truth of God for a lie they began worshiping the things he created rather than him himself They began making idols of the things he created rather than worshiping him. They began trusting in the things that are created rather than him himself. And you know what happens when we begin to place trust in the things that he created? Those things, when those things move and when those things change, suddenly we don't know what to trust anymore. Because our trust was in those things, rather than God Himself, who is faithful, who is true. And I bring this today to to one you're not alone. You're going through this and, and, and you're feeling worn out. Be encouraged today and you're like, that's not encouraging. It is encouraging because it's how the enemy works. It's uncovering what's going on. Now let's look, let's go back into Second Chronicles and look. Verse 20. So remember, they're at this. This is coming at them. It's nonstop, trying to wear them out, trying to get them to submit, trying to get them to become demoralized. It's nonstop. So this is what Hezekiah does. Hezekiah, joined by the prophet Isaiah, son of Amoz, responded by what? Praying. He responded by praying, calling up to heaven. God answered by sending an angel who wiped out everyone in the Assyrian camp, both warriors and officers. Seni was forced to return home in disgrace, tail between his legs. When he went into the temple of God, his own sons killed him. So what is our response in the middle of this? Praying, praying. I have never felt such a strong urge encourages and even implore you you must begin to pray or you must make prayer the highest of priorities prayerlessness is pridefulness The price of prayerlessness in your life will far exceed the price of prayer in your life. And I feel, I feel so strongly that that these aren't the days just live half in half out kesarah sara that there must be an intentional action in our lives it must be intentional My mentor said to me in talking about the days that we're living in and and talking about just talking about life, this is what he said to me, you must not give out more than you have filled your spirit with. Do not. Do not. Now is that like, okay, then I don't have to give out anything. No, what he's saying is, don't you dare go out there empty. Because when you go out empty, you're a walking target. My finger. No, but hear me. That's why I feel, I feel it so seriously. The, the cost of prayerlessness in your life will cost you more than you setting time aside in prayer. Than you giving up something. This is, this is the spirit of the Lord. This is the, this is the spirit of the Lord warning you. But also reminding you that he's called you for purpose. He's called you for greater, but he's equipped you. And church, you must understand that it is time to become equipped. It is time to stand up. Let's let's just quickly look at um, 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 Matthew 26. So this is Jesus, and he's about to go to the cross. And he is with a couple of his disciples, and they've gone to pray. It says, Jesus came, verse 36. Jesus came with them to the place called Gethsemane. And he said to his disciples, sit here while I go and pray over there. And he took with him Peter and the two two sons of Zebedee, and he began to be sorrowful and deeply distressed. And then he said to them, my soul is exceedingly sorrowful, even to death. Stay here and watch with me. And he went a little farther, and he fell on his face, and he prayed, saying, Oh, my Father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, as I will, not as I will, but as you will. Then he came to the disciples, and he found them sleeping. And he said to Peter, What? What? Could you not watch with me one hour? Watch and pray, lest you enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. Again, a second time he went away and he prayed saying, oh my father, if this cup cannot pass from me, unless I drink it, your will be done. And he came and he found them asleep again, for their eyes were heavy. So he left them, went away again, and prayed a third time, saying the same words. Then he came to his disciples and said to them, are you still sleeping and resting? Behold the hour is at hand, and the Son of God is being betrayed into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us be going, see my betrayer is at hand. There's so much, but what I He warns them. He tells them, listen, pray so that you don't become tempted. He was telling them, guys, you're gonna need to pray. So you're not overtaken by the temptation. He says, your spirit is willing, but your flesh is weak. So here it is. You, you need to pray. And then he says, after seeing them, are you are you still sleeping? And I felt I felt like the Lord, I, I highlighted this in my Bible. I felt like the Lord say this to the church. Are you? Are you still sleeping? And then right after that, he says, Behold the hour. Behold the hour that we're living in. Are you still sleeping? Is my church still sleeping? I just feel so much love. I know you may feel convicted. But I feel so much love. Because he's preparing us. There's an urgency to go from complaining to praying. Waking us up, he. Oh, we've been hearing this, but the hour—the hour we're living in—Jesus is coming. behind all kinds of things, but if our first place, if our first post isn't taking authority in the spirit, what are we doing? The scripture that the Lord keeps saying to me, it's from Proverbs, but in the Passion Translation, it says this, know the season you're in. I read it last week. Know the season you're in. And a wise son you will be. Understand the season that we're in. He's telling us to equip us, to ready us. We sing those songs, make us ready, Lord, make us ready. I don't want to do that, though. Oh, you're calling me to prayer. I don't want to do that. I don't feel like that right now. He's making us ready. Can I get the praise and worship team to come back? One last scripture is from 2 Corinthians 4, verse 8. It says, we are pressured in every way. In the Amplified, it says, hedged in. Every side, we feel pressured. It says, but we're not crushed. We're perplexed. And then it says, unsure of finding a way out. I'm not sure if anyone feels that. Un- I don't know where to go. I don't know which way to go. <laughs> he says, but we're not driven to despair. We're hunted down and persecuted, but we're not deserted. To stand alone. We're struck down, but never destroyed always carrying around in the body the dying of Jesus so that the resurrection life of Jesus also may be shown in our body. For we who live are constantly experiencing the threat of being handed over to death for Jesus' sake so that the resurrection life of Jesus also may be Evidenced in our mortal body, which is subject to death. So physical death is actively at work in us, but spiritual life is actively at work in you. Yet we have the same spirit of faith as we had, as he had, excuse me, who wrote in scripture, I believed, therefore I spoke. We also believe, therefore we also speak. knowing that he who raised the Lord Jesus will also raise us with Jesus and will present us along with you in his presence. For all these things are for your sake, so that as God's remarkable, undeserved grace reaches to more and more people, it may increase thanksgiving to the glory of our great God. Therefore, we do not become discouraged, spiritless, Disappointed or afraid. I was having a conversation with somebody the other day and we were talking about he. We weren't promised that everything would be roses. things would go smoothly. We weren't promised that. It says it in that verse. You'd be struck down. You're going to be perplexed. You're going to be standing at places where you're like, I'm confused. You're going to be persecuted. That's going to happen. And because I think maybe we've had the ideology that things just should be great all the time. That when the enemy does come to wear out the saints, that our response is to succumb to it. Instead of recognizing that there's a post, there's a place in prayer that I'm supposed to take, that his body is supposed to take. supposed to take. So that, like it says in in that verse, therefore do not become discouraged, spiritless, disappointed, or afraid. That's how I'm not going to become it. I'm going to take my place. In prayer, I'm going to the truth of God I'm gonna be built up I'm not gonna give out more than I have filled myself up with you see the spirit of the world has twisted it just a bit self-care is a big thing I just need some self-care time I'm not I'm not against self-care time please I like self-care time, but it's what's replaced time with the Spirit of God. See, you thought that if you filled up your soul with things that made you feel good, I just need some more Netflix time. I just need time away from people. I just, I just need to do some things that I, I need. Not bad things, but you're expecting those things to fill you, they're not going to. Not in this day, it's not the day. prayer time with the presence of Jesus I just want to go into the bridge of oceans if we could for us to go into that place of him calling me out upon the water to the great unknown. today I used to ask will you make that commitment today? I don't want to force anyone to it. I'd say if the spirit is leading you and I I can't find a I can't find one reason why the spirit wouldn't be leading you. <laughs> I feel like I already prayed could can still answer the call. I'm awake. I'm awake. Will you answer the call? For more information about Embassy Church, visit our website at embassychurch.ca.